In the first couple of weeks, we want to be taking diaphragmatic breaths. This is a great place to start in your recovery. It's going to help calm down your nervous system and connect with your core. Hi, I'm Amy Kiefer, a nurse, doula, and personal trainer. And I'm Crystal Howell, a women's health and orthopedic physical therapist. We're the co-founders of Expecting and Empowered, and we just so happen to be sisters. We built this business because we saw a huge gap between the information that women were given during pregnancy and postpartum and the information that they need. We're committed to helping close the gap so that women are better equipped to navigate these demanding and challenging years. Yes, we're both moms of three, so we know firsthand how many changes women go through physically, mentally, and emotionally because women aren't getting enough information to make informed decisions about their own health. It leaves mothers picking up the pieces afterwards. We need that to change. With our professional backgrounds, we're going to pull the curtain back on this season and give you the information you need to thrive. We're on a mission to change women's health. Let's do this. Today, Crystal and I are on the podcast discussing the C-section recovery process. A third of babies in the United States are delivered this way, yet somehow we feel like, and we know from hearing from you guys, that there's still a gap in the information that women need for recovery and the information that they get. Crystal, my sister and co-founder, has had three C-sections. This has helped give her the patient side of the experience. And then professionally, she's a physical therapist. So she has helped many, many women recover from their C-sections. So today we're going to dive in and give you all the details on everything you need to know about your first two weeks of recovery after a C-section. Yes, I've had three C-section births and have treated hundreds of postpartum women in the clinic. So I feel like I have a great grasp on making the acute and the long-term recovery way easier. So I can't wait to dive into this and give you all the best advice and insights because I've definitely learned along the way so that every woman that meets their baby via C-section will know what to do and hopefully can heal more efficiently and better. I really love the idea of this podcast because it's going to be really comprehensive and give you guys everything you need to know in that initial healing period. I thought the best place to start would be by painting a picture of what a C-section birth actually looks like. So Crystal, what happens when you go into a C-section? So part of this answer really depends on if your C-section is planned or unplanned. With all three of my births, I knew that I was going to have a C-section. So let me walk you through that process because a lot of the things are the same, but obviously there's some differences. So it really does go by fast. Usually with a C-section birth, there are a lot of uncertainties, especially if you have never had a surgery prior, which was the case in my situation. So if your C-section is planned, you'll usually arrive at the hospital early in the morning and they take you to your room, which is ideally the same room that you'll return into after your C-section. 
So there's a lot of prep work that goes into that, the nurses setting you up with an IV and blood pressures, et cetera, et cetera. So my suggestion is that time in between the nurse being in your room and preparing you for your C-section, you'll want to set your room up. So taking out your bathroom toiletries, your clothes that you know you're going to use and putting them up high so that you have easy reach or putting things away in the bathroom so you know that first shower, you won't have to move around too much. And we'll talk about this later in the episode, but it really is these small things, small movements that are so important to a helpful recovery. Some point they're going to take you down to the operating room, which is cold, bright, and there are a lot of people there. If your C-section is planned, they're going to administer a spinal block. If you are laboring and it's a more urgent C-section, sometimes they can use an epidural. And again, it just depends on the situation. When they do do the spinal, position is really important. So if you help get in a better position, this is going to increase the target that your anesthesiologist has to work with. So to increase that target to make it better or easier, we're going to want to slump forward, relaxing our back as much as possible, but really bending forward is going to increase that space where they have to go with that spinal. So Usually there's a nurse there and the coolest thing happened in my first one. I actually had treated that person in the clinic. So I was familiar with her. But even if you're not familiar with them, really leaning into them and like allowing them to support your upper body can help kind of relax your back muscles. And again, make that process just a little bit easier. Something that I was not expecting, though, is for my spinal, and I think this is common in most hospitals, but your partner is not allowed in the room as they do that. So that did kind of throw me for a loop mentally. So if you have a plan C-section, just know that that can be a piece of it. They might have to sit on the outside while that happens. And then like we mentioned before, there is a lot going on. So once that spinal takes place, they're kind of assessing, making sure that it's working and on board. And then once that happens, things go really quickly. Your partner and anesthesiologist will be at the head of your bed. There's often two surgeons and a lot of other medical staff, such as nurses, surgical techs in the room. So there's a lot of communication between the medical staff. So lots of different things going on. As the C-section is happening, a lot of the sensations are blocked. One sensation that is not blocked is that pressure sensation. So you might feel your surgeon moving your belly around, pressing the baby into different positions to easily pull him or her out. One sensation that is a little bit less pleasant is they do cauterize the flesh. This helps with controlling bleeding. And for me, that sensation of being able to smell the tissue made me very nauseous. And I'm like one of those stubborn people like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. But there's a ton of things that your anesthesiologist can do, whether it's pushing medication. They could also put peppermint oil on like a little towel by your nose so that you can smell less of that. I would really strongly suggest that you're staying in constant communication with your anesthesiologist and not trying to be tough because it makes for a less enjoyable experience. They can help you feel a lot better. 
And in my doula training, because we do learn about C-sections, and I've actually gotten to be in a few C-section births, one thing that we learn is that sometimes as C-section moms, you do have to advocate for yourself. So that could be like, you know, to the medical team, hopefully not, but sometimes it's just another surgery. Whereas the birthing mother, you guys are all going to have different preferences. You might want to hear the play-by-play of the birth and what's happening, or you might not. Like those are just important things that you can communicate to kind of make the birth your own. There's other examples of that too. So my partner wanted to see everything that was going on, but I kind of felt left alone. So in the second two subsequent C-sections, I just made sure I like, communicated with him really well. Like, I would love if you would take pictures and do you mind like holding my hand sometimes or two? Standard is that they kind of strap your hands down. If you ask, they usually don't have to do that. And then as well as getting baby to mom's chest right away, They'll often swaddle baby, but you can even suggest or you could have your partner unswaddle the baby and then go skin to skin. They do that because it is really cold in the room, but they also do have warm blankets that you can throw on top of mom and baby to keep everybody warm. So there are a lot of different options in a situation where you don't think there are options. Yeah, clear drape. Like We've shared them on Instagram before and we'll attach the post to this episode. So as you guys might know, part of the mission of our company is that we really want to make sure that we're supporting both vaginal and C-section births. We're going to have another episode that focuses just on how to recover from a vaginal birth as well. We do understand that the birth experiences can be different. So during a vaginal birth, you're going through these active stages of labor and delivery, and then your baby is typically placed on your chest and you kind of get this euphoric feeling of like, we did it. I'm wondering, how does a C-section differ? What was your experience with when your baby was on the outside and given to you? Yeah, so... During a vaginal birth, your baby, every time your uterus contracts, is pushing on your cervix, which is making you release oxytocin, which is that happy hormone. So by the time that your baby comes out and is on your chest, there's a ton of that happy hormone running through your system. So in a C-section, when especially if you aren't laboring, this might not be the experience for moms meeting their babies. For me, I was expecting this like euphoric feeling and euphoric experience like you see in pictures or the movies. And when I learned more about the science of maybe why those hormones would have an effect on it, it made me feel a lot better. But initially, I really felt a strong sense of guilt that I wasn't instantly emotional or instantly happy. And again, because there is a lot going on in the C-section, but just knowing that there also can be that scientific reason why things might feel a little bit different. And this is just my experience, and I don't want to project that onto anybody else, but knowing that really did make me feel a lot better. Yeah, and we were chatting right before we got started of like, Crystal was able to bond so well with her babies, even if it wasn't that instantaneous bonding, which can happen to women, you know, C-section or otherwise. 
So I know that when you give birth, you have a whole brand new person to take care of. But what can be really tough about a C-section is there's also so much recovery that you have to do as the mother. So I wanted to know, what would you tell people when it comes to what the basics of C-section recovery is? What are things that they should absolutely not be skipping? Yes, I feel like this step is so overlooked. This focus on recovery should be at the forefront. I, even myself, was pretty good at it, but I don't think enough women take this initial acute phase of healing as seriously as we could. And I just don't think we have the information to be set up to do that. So when recovering in the acute phase, knowing that this can also have a long-lasting imprint on our long-term recovery after a C-section. So there's lots of different tips. One of the tips that I would recommend in that acute phase is staying on top of your pain medications. Often, these pain medications have properties to decrease inflammation, During surgery, they're going to administer pain medication. And then your nurse is also going to offer you pain medication in those first couple of days. My advice is to take them up on it. And then also the next two weeks, most physicians will recommend an NSAID because of the anti-inflammatory properties. So some people take higher classes of pain medication as well. It all depends on the individual. One of the downfalls of the higher classes of pain medication is that they can create some constipation, which can also be tricky. And we'll talk about here in a little bit with C-sections. But really, from a cellular level, our body is going through a lot. So we want to assist it. And if we have a better cellular environment, this is going to help us best heal that wound. Our body is going to kind of patch and repair from the inside. So we want to create the healthiest wound bed or cellular environment that we can to have a significant impact on that healing. I learned this lesson with baby number one, Brooke, the hard way, because As the nurse was asking me if I would want more pain meds, I am not a medication person, so I was adamantly denying them, but also the physical therapist side of me knew how important it is to be up and moving after surgery, so I spent a lot of time walking in the hallways after surgery because I knew that it could help prevent blood clotting, it was good for circulation and movement. And the nurses were impressed, but also very weary because they knew that I was probably doing too much. And by the end of that second night, I barely could move, talk. I was in a decent amount of pain because I had not regulated that pain. So another big consideration is just controlling the swelling in those first two weeks. So we can do four different things to do that. We can ice. So every hour, I would suggest refilling up your ice pack. The nurses usually have a busy schedule and a lot going on. So it's really hard for them to stay on top of this. So every hour, if you just hit that call light, ask them for a new ice pack. If somebody's with you, sending them down to the refreshment area, filling up your ice pack is just a really nice way to control that swelling. We also want to rest during that initial period. So rest can be really helpful for the body for healing. And we want compression. So whether this is compression garments, C-section underwear, 
postpartum compression leggings. And then in the hospital, there are ankle pumps at the foot of your bed. Every time you're in the hospital bed, you're going to want to apply those. We also want to be hydrating and staying hydrated during that recovery. Okay. And one thing that you mentioned there was rest and letting your body heal that way. So I know that if people have partners, they can play a really vital role in C-section recovery by taking care of the other children if you have other children, or they can help to remind you of your pain medication. So I know there is a lifting limit after you have a C-section. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yes, your partner can be so important during this process. Sometimes it can be really hard to ask for help, but if we're not asking for help, we might be putting too much pressure on our scar, which lays down more collagen, which makes more scar tissue. So really taking this guard down in the U.S., we have this tendency to think about this bounce back mentality. And this was something that I really struggled with. I almost wanted to like impress people that I was the quickest recovering C-section mom, but you really can't expedite the healing process. So during those first two weeks, we're staying pretty close to home. We're asking for help when lifting up other kids, even the infant, because the amount of times you're lifting them, especially when they're in a car seat matters, lifting groceries, all these things add up that we have to do during the day. So really asking for help with your partner. And then also during that second and third C-section, a few things that really helped take care of the other kiddos where the partner was an integral part of this. Ideally, we're not supposed to be lifting those taller's in that time, but it is really hard on a mama's heart when you bring home a brand new baby and you're still trying to pay attention to the toddlers. So if you do have to lift them, one thing that really did help was my husband would lift the kid up and then hand them straight to me like it was like a lateral pass so that we're skipping that whole lifting section. Another thing that really helps is setting up a nursing station where your toddler can kind of climb up to the couch and cuddle with you guys as you nurse since there's so much time spent there. My kids were always at an age where they still were in a high chair when we brought the baby home. So even before the recovery process, I would practice with them trying to climb up to their high chair. Of course, you're there if anything unsafe happens, but just being able to get up in their high chair or if they're too young, having your partner put them up there for you while you help them feed. Okay. I loved all those tips. There's such smart tips, especially if you haven't been through this process before and you might be wondering, like, how serious is this lifting limit? It sounds like you should really take that seriously and try to really minimize the amount of things, little people, car seats that you're lifting. We're going to take a quick break. This podcast is sponsored by the Expecting and Empowered app, the only program that you need to recover from your cesarean birth. Thousands of women across the world are using the Expecting and Empowered app to take the guesswork out of how to care for their C-section scar, their core, and healing their body from the birth of their baby. If you're ready to reclaim your fitness routine in motherhood, this app is for you. Join the Expecting and Empowered app today and use the promo code 
podcast 25 to save 25% off your first month or a year of the app. That brings your subscription down to just $10 a month when you sign up for the year. You can visit app.expectinganempowered.com to sign up today. We'll also have that link in the show notes and we will see you in the app. Now back to our show. So another question that I know a lot of people have is, what are some tips on how to move smarter in the first two weeks to prevent and make the recovery process quicker? I know one of my friends, she was just really so surprised on how hard it was to move. I mean, getting up from a couch, getting out of bed. So we want your best tips for that. Yes, a lot of times we just have to move smarter. So when I have C-sections, I like to think about every time I move, I want to keep my hips and my ribs in a square. So if I'm thinking about those rib angles and the two sides of my hip bones, I want that to stay a square. Most of the time when we're moving, we rotate to move. When we rotate to move, that's going to create extra tugging through that C-section scar. So for example, when you're going from sit to stand out of a chair, I'm going to scoot to the edge of the chair. My feet are going to tuck underneath me. This is going to allow my quads to take the brunt of that lifting. I'm going to push through my hands and lift myself up, keeping that square intact. When you're in bed trying to get in, roll out, we use a log rolling technique. So your butt goes where it's going to land on that bed. You're going to slowly lower your trunk down with your elbow. At the very same time, you're swinging your legs up into bed. My square stayed completely a square during that. And then I'm going to push through the outside foot and roll to my back or wherever I want to be on the bed. So really just moving smarter, honestly, for four weeks after that C-section is really going to make recovery a lot easier. The second thing that we get a lot of questions on about at Expecting and Empowered is like, this is so interesting. Even in week one, you guys have these like movements or gentle restorative movements in the guide. And they're like, "Uh, I have to like wait six weeks till I get my get out of jail card from the physician to exercise again. But I really think that if we're waiting six weeks to do some of these things, what is really happening is we have to do life within that first six weeks. After the baby comes out, our bodies totally have to adjust. It's almost like hitting a control alt delete button on a computer. Our brain has to reset with all these different body parts. And we not only are recovering from a C-section, but then also learning how to move with not being pregnant still. So we really want to connect to our core. And when I say core, I mean your diaphragm, pelvic floor, abs, and back. This is going to help our recovery process and help hit that control alt delete button so our brain can connect with our body. In the first couple of weeks, we want to be taking diaphragmatic breaths. This is a great place to start in your recovery. It's going to help calm down your nervous system and connect with your core. So when I think about breathing in, I want to think about taking a 360 degree breath. I'm breathing through each side of my rib and in my back by my bra line. And I'm thinking about taking that breath all the way down to my pelvic floor 
and I'm going to exhale from the bottom up. Again, this is going to help create pressure. So there's less pressure on those abdominal muscles that are really sore at this time. We're also in that first period going to want to do things like kegels. And you would think kegels, why? But again, it's connecting with this core. So when those other areas are affected, we want to compensate by using our pelvic floor, our back muscles, and then take some pressure off of our abdominal muscles to assist with recovery. Two other things that we really want to think about are scar tissue desensitization. I think this sometimes gets confused with scar tissue mobilization. They have completely two different purposes. So in that first week, you want to start scar desensitization. What that is, is you're taking different textures and rubbing them around the scar. This is just helping our body bring awareness to that area. During surgery, they cut through your cutaneous nerve endings. So that's what tells us if your husband has his hand on our belly or a toddler is like jumping on us. It just gives us that sensory input. So this, if we don't work on it, it can result in our scar being more sensitive. So whether it's wearing a pair of pants or somebody touching that area, and it can feel very unnerving if it doesn't heal correctly. So that's why in those first couple of weeks, we want to really desensitize that area. Another thing is we want to be up and walking. So once you get home or even in the hospital, one thing that I found was very helpful is having something to walk with. My neighbors probably thought I was crazy, but I would take a stroller and I would push through the handlebars of the stroller to kind of get some extension or upright movement. Because when you have a C-section, you tend to go into that flex posture because the scar heals that way. So to help promote in a gentle way, I can press through the bassinet in the hospital when I'm walking. I could also use that empty stroller to push around the neighborhood. In a study that they did in 2021, they showed that moms that were walking post cesarean section had much fewer complications. Okay, you know, it was crazy. One time when I when I was a nurse and I floated to the surgery floor, which I hated floating, but we had to, they made patients get out of their bed like I couldn't believe how quickly they would make patients get out of their bed. Yeah, there's so much research for like the PTs that are on the acute side of doing stuff. It's so important for our bodies. We lose strength. We lose circulation. There's many more complications that can happen if we're not getting out and moving. So it's interesting from the C-section side, because I actually would talk to the nurses in there like in depth about this. But some patients after C-sections happen don't want to move because it does hurt and it is Mm -hmm. scary. So they need like a little bit more assistance or encouragement to move because we want to be upright and Moving. And then like me, it's like a wild stallion. You got to like try to get it back in the pen, right? So we really want to find this happy medium spot because it was just a major surgery because it can be so important to be up and moving, but not overdoing it. Okay. So we've covered a lot so far, but something that we absolutely have to touch on is getting your bladder and your bowels moving regularly. So I think this is one of those things where it's a common misconception. People think because they didn't 
deliver vaginally, they might not have these issues of your bladder or your bowel and the need to empty them in a way that's comfortable after a C-section. But we know that this is actually so important to touch on in this episode when it comes to C-sections. Yes, there is nothing scarier than having a poop after a C-section. So one thing that we can have control over, though, is those pain medications can make you more constipated. That mobility or moving around is going to help your balls get moving. Also, staying hydrated and nutrition is key in that. When you go to have your first ball movement, setup is so important. So at the hospital, if you take a garbage can, tip it on its side, or if they have a squatty potty, just putting your legs on that. Then you really want to make sure that you're taking your time in the bathroom. You're going to inhale to relax the pelvic floor. This allows that like calming effect. So nice deep inhales. As you defecate, you can exhale In the hospital, they have those grab bars. You can press lightly down into the grab bars with your hand to kind of bring your trunk like a little bit more up. So basically what that's doing is you're controlling where the pressure is when you poop. So when we poop normally, right? Sometimes there's like a little light contraction of our abdominals as we push poop out. But if I press through those bars, I can press the top of my abdominals so that it creates pressure downwards instead of those lower abdominals that are really sore. If you're having trouble as well, you can do this thing called a sacral massage. So I'm just taking my hands by like my tailbone, my back area, and I'm massaging the skin, round little circles, pressing down. This can help relax the spinal nerves because if you're nervous about going to the bathroom, it can be really hard to relax. So really not to be too creepy about stuff, but we want to keep our stool so soft like a ripe banana. And The best way to do that is hydration, hydration, hydration. Okay. I will also say just in my whole life, I just do not poop without like a squatty potty anymore. Yeah. We took ours out of the clinic to take for you guys for on Instagram to teach you. And uh, the PT in the clinic was like, dude, what did you do with the squatty potty? People are up in arms. People are up in arms. Okay. So... This is all such great advice, and we are going to segue into the last topic of the day, which we're just going to go over some basic nutrition advice. This is not our area of expertise, but we have had an amazing dietitian on the podcast in the past. Her name is Brooke from The Mama Well. We interviewed her in episode two. So that would be a really good one to go back to. We'll also put the link for her course in the show notes. So Crystal hit us with the last part of this interview, which will be nutrition advice for post C-sections. Yes. So when you are in that third trimester, and if you know you're having a C-section, This is the time that I actually clean up my diet the most is right before a C-section and right after. Because again, we're thinking about cellularly, how can we help our body expedite recovery and make our body heal the best that it can? 
So there's a couple nutrients that we're really looking for when you have a major surgery. One of those is iron. Our iron needs are going to be really high due to the loss of blood from the C-section. And then also too, I don't think that people realize that you still have bleeding after a C-section, just like you would a vaginal birth. So we need to make sure that iron counts are really high. Hit us with some good sources of iron. I actually think that like most women could probably use more iron in their diet. Yes, this is from our friend Brooke. <laughs> so uh, this is like phone a friend, but red meats, poultry, fish, spinach, nuts, and legumes. Meat is definitely a good source of protein, which is another key nutrient. Vitamin D, K, Vitamin K is so helpful with blood clotting. And again, it's all about making that area kind of patch and repair on the uterus. So some good sources there are green vegetables, kale and spinach, which when you think about people's like pictures on Instagram, when they have like, I'm eating my first cheeseburger. And then if I know they have a C-section, I'm like, no, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it'll be a balance because I can totally understand wanting to have something that's super juicy. (laughs) But if you also can in your next meals, think about what could maybe be a little bit more beneficial to the healing process. The bottom line from all this is that C-section births are very different from vaginal recoveries in the recovery process. So we want to make sure that we're really paying special attention to that site of injury, helping our bodies heal the best through movement and making sure that we're resting and recovering. Yes. And I love that we give out so much free information, whether it's in our Instagram highlights, Instagram posts, or this entire podcast. I think it's going to be so helpful for moms that do go through C-sections. We also wanted to mention that our postpartum guide, which now lives in our Expecting and Empowered app, has your full C-section recovery in mind. So it's going to take you through everything that Crystal said, whether that be breathing, walking, icing, it gives you the specifics so that you don't have to guess and you know exactly what you should be doing each day of your recovery. Because what we know is that initial recovery is really important. 